five-yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? You ever uh, read the ingredients that is a food that you tend to eat a lot of? It's kind of interesting. Sometimes you wonder what you're putting in the old bod there. I, I have way too many. These are not an official sponsor of the Canadian Football Perspective Podcast, but I'd like to give a shout out to Daryl's Bars. Uh, I believe they're located in London, Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure that's on here. It's not Windsor. Windsor, sorry. Uh, they're Daryl's Bars uh, from Windsor, Ontario, and they're delicious and they're wonderful and they're available at the grocery stores that are in Hamilton. So I get them and I eat way too many of them because I'm just like throwing food into my face as I'm running from task to task. And I just read the side of it. A lot of stuff in here. Whey protein isolate, peanut butter, some big long word that I can't understand. Chia seeds, quinoa flakes, hemp hearts, golden flaxseed, honey, natural vanilla extract, dried sweet potato, pecans, yep. na natural caramel topping. That seems kind of sketchy, but whatever. Uh, skim milk powder, paprika. Ugh, didn't see that one coming. Organic cocoa powder, salt, organic caramel flavor oil, natural chocolate topping, organic cane sugar, and rice extract. There you go. That's what, that's what I've been jamming into my body uh, about eight times a day for the last six months. No tarragon? No uh, <laughs> no cat's eyes? Nothing like that? No, no. nothing. Okay. Thankfully, we've avoided that. The eye of Newt has not uh, come home to roost inside of all these bars. As uh, a spooky edition here of The Breakdown. Again, way too short. We're jamming it in, trying to get you guys uh, this podcast off the ground every week. But hey, life happens. So let's dive right into it. When and where did you find out that Nick Arbuckle, or should I say Elkbuckle, uh, was the newest quarterback of the Edmontonians? Nick Arbuck Elk. I'm yes. curious how curious how I'll say it on the radio as the Riders have back-to-back -back games with the Elks coming up. Uh, I I woke up that morning and then and people were reacting to oh Nick Arbuckle and so you then have to then search like well what's the Nick Arbuckle news what's mm -hmm. what's happened and he's gone to the Elks and I. I I don't know. I find I often take little victory laps in my mind. I don't necessarily, well, and then on the radio too, but I'm like, oh, so Edmonton is not going forward with Taylor Cornelius as its starting quarterback, just like I thought, who is what, 12 points below expected in his, in his accuracy? Oh, okay. This actually makes a ton of sense. So yeah, I, I woke up to, it was probably Dave Naylor who, uh, who uh, broke it all down. Yeah. For me, it was, oh, is that the, uh, is that the furnace? That uh, might be. The me, furnace, uh, DT's getting the furnace dealt with today. Lucky man. I, I will tell you when and where I found out about all of this is DT attends to the home because they had a nasty power outage in Regina, by the way, that uh, was the reason why we actually didn't get this podcast up earlier because DT was dealing with that. But for me, I, I think Twitter is, uh, is trash. The content preferences on that stuff is not so great these days. So they, they have these things uh, where you end up Essentially, I'm just talking about how trash Twitter's uh, content preferences are, DT, uh, where you open up Twitter and it just pushes you notifications for things that you don't actually want. This, yeah. is the, this is the one time that Twitter on my phone has actually done the right thing, which was I opened up Twitter coming back from a hot yoga class at like 630 in the morning so in, the, in, in the east. And mm. when, I, when I was coming back, I just like, you know, popped open my phone. 
very first tweet at the top, Nick Arbuckle has been traded. I'm like, wow, they actually nailed that. Like they actually understood what my content preference was in that. And for me, the first thought that I had was, wow, I, I can't believe Toronto made that move. Like I can't in a league in which you need two quarterbacks and McLeod comes off a four interception game. Mm. Albeit, albeit like he's not reliant on, you know, he's not dependent on um, protecting the football completely as the reason why they would want to keep him going forward. But the only person that's beaten Winnipeg this year was Nick Arbuckle at home in week three. I watched it. I was there like, in the first person and he was not dominant, but he played at a very high level. I thought that day yeah. and the, and the idea that you would see that and move on. That was my first thought. Then I started, you know, as, as I'm in the car and I'm driving and my thoughts are bouncing off the wall going, what does it mean? What does it mean? The next thing that I kind of had rushed through my mind was that uh, Trevor Harris and this is, I think, interesting to people like you and I who study these things and, and fans might not understand it at the same level because you're just not privy to all of the information that we accrue and, and look at to try and analyze these things for fans. But Trevor Harris plays the game a very specific way, like mm-hmm. very, very, very specific. Like he's carved out a lane for himself that is different teams, different years, different receivers. He plays the game essentially the same way without a whole lot of variation. Nick Arbuckle in 2019 played like Trevor Harris. Yep. Like he was, and this is what I found. Exactly. This is what I found interesting in 2019 was when you see Nick Arbuckle, big, strong guy, younger, moving around the pocket. And you're thinking, well, he's got, you know, those big pythons of arms that he's wearing in the Argos cut off in that last game. You're thinking, well, he, he just wants to throw the ball 500 miles down the field. Nope. Nope, not really his thing, uh, and it hasn't been as of yet. He might develop that skill set more as his career goes on, but Trevor doesn't love to chuck it deep consistently the way that McLeod does and the way that Vernon Adams Jr. does, the way that Michael Riley does, the way that Bo Levi does. Like Those are the deep ball throwers in this league, mm. and Arbuckle was not that in 2019. He took a lot of checkdowns. He took a lot of crossers. He took a lot of running backs to the flats, and so when I saw this move happen, I went, okay, Maybe, just maybe, aside from just trying to save his job, because I believe this is very much Brock Sunderland saying, there's no signs of hope here. I'm going to get canned. Well, why don't I go ahead and give you something that suggests, hey, please bring me back because let's at least see how this plays out. When I saw the move, I went, I think Edmonton just tried to replace Trevor Harris with a younger Trevor Harris that they think might have more upside athletically down the road. Because I don't Mm. think Elizondo wants to change his whole structure and system I just think he went out and got a player that he could see fitting into his system, but being more effective in what he does and what he'd like to do than what you have in Taylor Cornelius. And I also laughed at whoever the third string is guy that they signed earlier in the case, Cookus or whatever his name is. Uh, I, I saw a clip on Twitter of his introductory press conference. And I was like, oh, they signed another dopey six foot five guy. Sweet. <laughs> I was like, what, how is that going to solve anything? I'm like, you just... He was so nervous and he's just like, yeah, I'm really interested to learn the game. I'm like, learn the game is not where we need to be. And then the next day <laughs> they make the Arbuckle move. And I was like, okay, now this makes sense. Yeah. My, my radio partner, Luke Mullender, longtime rider back in the day has a, as a saying he has for situations like that. He's like grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> you had your press conference, get out. Um, to your point, uh, the, the Arbuckle Harris 2019 is absolutely spot on. Like, statistically they profile almost identical uh trevor harris average depth of target in 2019 8.1 uh nick arbuckle 8.2 
Bo Levi Mitchell, who played in the same offense as uh, Nick Arbuckle, 10.9. Yep. Like the difference between 10.9 and 8.2 is the deepest in the league and the shortest in the league, essentially. So, yeah, it, it was it was interesting. So I, I came to it in that same way of, oh, they, they found someone who is Harris-like. And what we saw with Arbuckle in Toronto this year was way more shots down the field, mm-hmm. right? Whether that was what Dinwiddie wanted to do. It, super interesting that Dinwiddie got the quarterback that he worked with. Uh, and, right? Well, yeah, and, and didn't really – Work out. I had to put that together in my mind for a second, but those I'll two were just, in Calgary together. I'll say this before we move on from that. Like I asked him going into a game, uh, I think it was like week 10, where it was Montreal in Toronto that I was doing on TSN. I said, like, you very obviously, you wanted to work with Nick. He's like, yeah. Like, I actually, I'll, I'll play this for you. I, this was, I don't know if I've ever played this for you, but I have a clip from back in the day where I was on radio and I asked Ryan Dinwiddie, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Arbuckle and Jason Moss, or I'll just search Dinwiddie and I should bring it up. But uh, I asked him about exactly <laughs> uh, if he's his guy and if he wants and This is free agency leading in of like 2019, I think this was. Nick Arbuckle makes a lot of sense. So we thought we would just say, if Nick Arbuckle is your first choice, just stay silent for the next three seconds. That way you can't get in trouble and we have an idea. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right, very good. We got the answer that we needed. Uh, so we asked Ryan Dinwiddie, hey, if Nick Arbuckle's your guy, then stay silent because we don't want you to get in trouble tampering, but stay silent and then we'll get the answer that we need. And he stayed silent in this radio interview that we did. And when he did, we're like, okay, now we get it. Like he wanted him, he wanted to work with him. And then it's like, well, Nick dings his hamstring and training camp and he's out. And then McLeod comes in week one and plays okay. Week two, he doesn't. Week three, it's Arbuckle coming home. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The home opener. So sensational. They beat Winnipeg. And then it's like, you ride your way through the season and Nick didn't hit enough of those deep shots, I think to make Dinwiddie happy. And McLeod mm. is a little bit less fearful to, to take those risks down the field. And he's a little bit more accurate with the deep ball based on what we've seen this year. So those two things put together to me and the emergence, let's not underwrite this either. The emergence of Antonio Pipkin as a legitimate number three short yardage rushing quarterback that you can put in package plays for in a cold playoff game, to me, that eliminated the need for Nick as well. Like, I think all of those factors played into this. Uh, And I also think, like, I was talking to some people the other day, and they said, how many snaps do you think Pipkin will get by the time we get to the playoffs? I said 15% to 20% of snaps in in any given game in the playoffs. I think they will have, obviously, the short yardage stuff built out for him, but I think there will also be five snaps a game minimum where just for the hell of it, Dinwiddie wants a change of pace and he wants a physical downhill running quarterback who can also throw and Mm -hmm. Pipkin's going to give them that. So there's a lot of factors at play, but when, when asked about the deep ball stuff, as I said, going into that game against Montreal, Dinwiddie was like, yeah, it, it makes a difference. Like we, we need people who can hit those shots and he deemed that Arbuckle wasn't good enough. So despite knowing him, despite working with him previously, he didn't see enough. And obviously the upper management of the Argos didn't see enough. And now Edmonton essentially gets a guy that Toronto has written off because I don't care whether it's Chad Kelly, whatever the hell that's going to become going the other direction. uh, Or if it's a conditional draft pick, it's like we've seen back-to-back weeks in the CFL now where there's been a quarterback move DT for basically nothing. Like essentially a guy who's fallen out of the rotation in Antonio Simmons in Montreal and then a conditional draft pick and a negligent player. That's like, as of right now, that's nothing. That might turn into absolutely nothing. And yet 
we just do this because Toronto's given up on it. Well, can Edmonton capitalize? They're going to have to if those people in Edmonton are going to keep their jobs. Yeah, and they, this is a move they needed to make, and I, I love that they made it. And, I mean, how hot was Arbuckle after the 2019 season? Yes. Right? And really, he's thrown, what, fewer than 100 passes to counteract any of that in maybe a system that wasn't made for him. So, uh, part 152. So, yeah, this is a, this is a fantastic move for uh, for the Elks. The Pipkin thing, like Pipkin is a guy with legitimate experience. He started yeah. games in the CFL. So if you if you had to, uh, if he had to start a playoff game, oh my goodness, MBT got banged up in the East semifinal and now Pipkin's got to start. Okay, you're not you're not in trouble, the trouble spot that I don't know, six other teams would be in, just off the top of my head. Um Saskatchewan would be would have worse problems if they had to start their backup in Isaac Harker, uh, BC, if they had to go to Nathan Rourke in a playoff game. Oh my gosh. Okay. Jake Mayer in a playoff game who I'm, I've enjoyed Jake Mayer, but I wouldn't have a ton of confidence of what he could do in a West, you know, West final or West semifinal, if if that were the case. So they're covered on that respect, salary cap implications and stuff. Uh, The biggest thing is I want to go back to a few months ago and before the season and just, pat ourselves on the back and go, why is McLeod Bethel Thompson not a starter? It's the thing I've never been able to understand in advance of 2020. Oh, he's going to back up Matt Nichols. Matt, Matt, the same Matt Nichols that we're all thinking of McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to back him up. I never, 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 never understood that understood why teams thought MBT couldn't, couldn't be a starter in this league. The, the fourth quarter garbage time stuff is overblown because some of those stats don't count the fact that, oh, hey, here's a three-score comeback that he had in a, in a win over Winnipeg. All right? there's, there's all sorts of things that go into those stats. His fourth quarter stuff isn't so inflated over other quarterbacks that it detracts from how great a thrower I, of the football that he truly is. Uh, so I'm I'm super glad. This is a deal to me that makes great sense for both sides. Yeah, no doubt. And I would also counteract uh, patting ourselves on the back by me saying that Edmonton was going to be a good football team this year because I think I have oh. to take I have to take that with a grain of salt because I I just did not see this happening whatsoever <laughs> with them. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention too on Pipkin is that let's not forget who the offensive line coach is and who the defensive consultant is right now in Toronto. Uh, is that you have got Stephen McAdoo there with Chris Jones. And let's not forget what that team looked like when Chris Jones was head coach and Stephen McAdoo was offensive coordinator, where you are, DT. I went into a playoff game covering Saskatchewan, who was playing in Ottawa in an East Semi in 2017, I believe it was, not knowing if the running back was going to be any of, uh, and help me out with some of the names here, but I believe Cameron Marshall was in the right. mix alongside they were getting like two guys back from injury i believe uh was trey mason in the mix trey, trey mason, was, was trent richardson around like i don't know it was there was so many different backs that they could go to and to your point on well if mcleod bethel thompson gets dinged like they can survive and probably prosper yeah pipkin can make some throws like i actually think he's a talented guy Dwayne ford is a huge believer in antonio pipkin so Yep. If he becomes the GM in Ottawa, just look out for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say that, uh, that yeah, yeah, if they were to go with like a multi-back set, DJ Foster, John White, Declan Cross in there alongside Dion Pellerin, a couple of young nationals that are playing the fullback spot, bringing in extra offensive linemen. Like, I'm not saying that they Dinwiddie's going to blow up the offense and he's not going to run any of his stuff. But I am saying if Stephen McAdoo is in that room, 
there is a template in place, not necessarily a championship template, but a template in place where you say, this is the type of quarterback we have. This is the offensive personnel that we have that we've developed throughout the year with running backs and fullbacks and offensive linemen and good national depth. And we can, we can find a way to maximize the ability of this with Antonio Pipkin. Again, Argos fans, hoping you never have to get there, and I don't hope you do either. But mm. even, if, even if you don't have to start that guy or play him for the majority of a playoff game, the reality is that's why I say they're going to have about 10 snaps a game, I would have to think, for Pipkin going forward is because they are going to supplement everything they're doing in the base offense and the vertical throwing that McLeod is getting after it with. They're going to supplement that with, hey, here's six offensive linemen, two fullbacks, and DJ Foster. Like, they're just they're going to come out in a diamond at some point in the playoffs in the shotgun, a full house backfield, punch you in the mouth three or four times. And if they win that game, whether it be the East semi or the East final, the next team to play for them has to then scout all of the machinations of what that formation and what that personnel grouping could be. And the, I had a coach that told me this one time for mm. every, for every 30 seconds that we spend creating an offensive play, the defense spends 10 minutes trying to figure out what it, what it means to them and what it will mean to them. If we expand that package, you don't even actually have to put in the work to expand that package. If you put in something that looks different, feels different, and is off kilter, the defense then in preparation, well, they got to kill 10 minutes. So let's throw in three plays. Boom. We just wasted a half hour of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in preparation because we ain't going to use this thing. We're just <laughs> throwing it in there just to throw them off the scent. And we're just going to come at you with McLeod Bethel Thompson in the Grey Cup if we're Toronto and throw the ball 50 times. But it gives you the ability. It gives you multiplicity. And I think that is what's interesting about Toronto moving our buckle is that there's all of these reasons that have gone into why they feel comfortable doing that. And there's a lot of different reasons why Edmonton feels comfortable making the move for him. Yeah, I like all of that. Let's, uh, who has the best quarterback situation in the East now for the rest of the season, I think becomes an interesting question because people will, Masoli and Evans are together. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, only one can play and they're kind of, I find them to be kind of the same, except for the, obviously the running element. Montreal is Matthew Schiltz burning it up, but Trevor Harris is a, is a proven starter in the league. Uh, Pipkin and MBT, now MBT gets to ride, and die, ride or die. Or, uh, Doc Hodges, duck. I mean, Duck. I mean. Oh, Caleb Evans. Just... <laughs> no, the, can I just say this? The, oh. stu the stupidest, I, and I've, I've been campaigning for Caleb Evans because I, I want to believe in him and I want him to get an opportunity. I felt like that game against Hamilton broke him. And the reason that I say that is at halftime, he gave an interview where he said, you know, we're moving the ball. We really feel like we're close. And I looked at Matt Dunning in the booth. I'm like, I, I, what does he watch? I'm like, I don't see that. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of confusing. Uh, but the stupidest quote of the week was in that three down nation insider talk to a piece where somebody anonymously and thank God they're anonymous because they'd be, I'd be laughing openly at their name if it was attached to this. Yeah. Did you see late in that game, Ja'Gara Davis tracked down Devlin Hodges from behind? Either Duck Hodges has not been conditioning or he's not as fast as I thought he was. Immediately, I got angry and I went, sorry, you're an evaluator and you thought Duck Hodges was fast? Like that was your takeaway from watching him with the, go three and three with the Steelers as a pocket passer was he's a great athlete who could come up here and run, <laughs> run away from people? <laughs> Plus... <laughs> Like Jagera Davis is like a top at this moment, a top four defensive end in the CFL this right. season aside. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that other than go, Oh, employed in the Canadian football league. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That one was he, very, 
very confusing Teach, to me. Teaching pro football players. This is why no one goes. The, that kind of a response is why people don't go for two enough and they give up safeties in the end zone. And for, <laughs> Oh, that's how it works. Come on. Come on. What yeah. are we doing here? What uh, are we I'm, doing here? I'm with you. Anything else you want to get off your chest here, DT, before we wrap up? Man, I, I just think all these trades have just really impacted. It's funny how uh, the riders are going to be on the opposite side of all these trades, right? They go to Montreal this week. I don't. I doubt it's Trevor Harris. I haven't heard anything yeah. about that, but there's the potential that they see Trevor Harris in Montreal, and then maybe however much they were planning for Trevor Harris in the two Edmonton games back to back probably wasn't much. But now, oh, do they get uh, Cornelii in the first game, and then uh, is it Nick Arbuckle time in the second game? Right. Like I'm sure Jason Shivers, defensive coordinator, and the rest of the gang will have no particular problem prepping for one guy over the other. They're they're good at their jobs, but man, just how much Edmonton could change from game one to game two. Uh, Farhan Lalji was on my show yesterday saying he doesn't think it's that next weekend is, is uh, it might be too early for Arbuckle. So maybe it's the weekend after, man, if you're going from Cornelii and three interceptions to Nick Arbuckle, who could probably potentially could do some stuff. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting in, in two games. It made me retract my guaranteed win night in Regina <laughs> um, for the second game, just the acquisition of Nick Arbuckle. So, yeah, yeah that's it, it changes things quite a bit. And Edmonton will have no impact of its own getting into the playoffs and potentially screwing. Like, they're not getting past BC, but BC really isn't getting the crossover either. No. So it, it just it has the potential to both these moves, the potential to uh, – hose the riders a little bit, which I think would make the entire nation mad. All, uh, all the nation. Yeah. The entire country. <laughs> uh, I do find it interesting the way that, that Arbuckle gives you hesitation. I would be wildly entertained if Nick Arbuckle takes the field and all of a sudden Darrell Walker and Greg Ellingson look like Darrell Walker and Greg Ellingson. Like, wouldn't what? that, wouldn't that be amazing if he just stepped onto the field and he actually was getting through reads and progressions and, you know, finding them open. And I don't know where their motivation level is at. I never want to doubt that in a pro athlete, but late in the season, I mean, Darrell's body language has been pretty nasty for a little while now. And you can tell that uh, he knows how much of a failure this season has been at Edmonton below his status quo. I mean, does he have a touchdown yet? I know Greg has the one and it was in Ottawa. I mean, that's that's kind of it in terms of the the grand show. But they have not had the season that we thought they would. And if Arbuckle Oof. were if Arbuckle were to go in there and to make them look like themselves, if they're interested in looking like themselves at the end of the year, I think that might be the number one thing that really saves people's jobs in Edmonton because you give a little little bit of catnip at the end of the season of hey, look how great this could be in 2022 because Brock was real quick in his press conference. When asked about, hey, what are you, uh, what are you doing with negotiations here? Because next deal is up. He's like, we've already started. We've we've already started <laughs> negotiations. He's like, we want to get it done. You know, Nick wants to settle down. His his family knows the province of Alberta, and and we really want to get it done. It's like you want to lock him down because this is going to solidify your ability to keep building this roster. And I, I he does yeah. not want to give that up because he's put a lot of work into trying to recruit people through free agency and otherwise. Yeah, that, that's a real good point. Uh, Walker one touchdown this season on seventy targets. So that's an awful. For for him, that's that's way below what what you would expect, and that's that's always the fear, right? Like I don't know what's kept Walker and Ellingson down this far into the season. So maybe Arbuckle is the thing that turns it. Maybe Harris out Arbuckle in is the thing that turns it. And 
maybe at least they throw in the, the damn ball. Like just, <laughs> you, could, you could throw, throw in the ball. So it's not a one catch on eight targets situation. Just throw them some better footballs maybe because is there anybody, I mean, I think after 19 and after this year, people might doubt that Darrell Walker is an elite receiver, but I a hundred percent believe Darrell Walker's among the elite receivers in the Canadian football league, even with what that nightmare that was Toronto in 2019. And this, I picked, uh, I had, I felt real good about my wager to that Edmonton would win the gray cup. And I thought Edmonton would contend for first in the East. Like this is so not what we predicted from this amount of talent that you go, okay, well, whatever turned it bad could easily flip the other way. If, if Nick Arbuckle is, you know, at least for, to this part, the answer. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let people know where they can check you out on the broadcast coming up on Saturday. You actually have the game that's coming up after me because I've got BC Toronto on Saturday afternoon from BMO. That's exciting. I like that. Yeah. So we are Saturday. Oh, gosh. Seven, was it 745 Eastern time? Uh, I've, I've got all, 7 p.m. Eastern, but yeah. It all blends, it all blends together after <laughs> a while. We have the late game on Saturday. We start pregame three hours before on 620 CKRM. Luke Molitor and I come in an hour before the game. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I'm very intrigued by this game because they beat Calgary, but those were three one-score games, you know, lost two and then won the last one, one-score games. Montreal with Matthew Schiltz looks pretty good and oh by the way William Stanback is a relentless eating machine so (laughs) what the hell does the defense do with that when the guy just put up two bills last week I cannot wait to see William Stanback in person he is at DT on SC on social media that's where you can find him I'm at TSN underscore Marsh myself and Matt Dunnigan have the call for you BC Toronto at 4 p.m. on TSN coming up on Saturday afternoon couple of fun ones before that Calgary Ottawa of course on Friday at 7, and then uh, the nightcap will be the Ticats in Edmonton out there at Commonwealth to take on the Elks. We'll see how that plays out. We got the full recap, of course, of Week 13 coming up for you on Marsh and Mellow, which will be out on Monday morning. For now, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. As always, give us a follow at CF Perspective, of course, on Twitter and Instagram, and looking forward to chatting to you again next week. One of these weeks, we'll actually do like an hour-long podcast where we don't feel like we're sprinting the entire time, but uh, we do appreciate you downloading, following, subscribing, and uh, and getting us some support there in a, uh, a crazy busy time, and we're looking forward to bringing the show again next week right here on Canadian Football Perspective.